The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat rocker. I will not wear the mask. I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who follow it. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your Are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy tyrants. I will defy time. And good day, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. God, glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, sonsoflibertyradio.com, and also sonsoflibertymedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the face that's made for radio, head over to sonsoflibertymedia.com, and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the screen. The one on the left is a Bradley show from yesterday, so if you missed that and you would like to... Uh, um, Watch that. You can do so up until 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, and uh, at that time he'll go live. All right? He'll be live right in that little area, so you can catch that uh, later on <clears throat> Excuse me, today. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on that play button, you know, enlarge it, blow it up on whatever device you're on, and then look for the rumble icon in the bottom right, 
and click on that and you can uh, join us in the chat on rumble we do have some friends over there it's good to see you guys this morning over on rumble as well as the other video platforms that we're on and um yeah you can uh, you can engage in that and be sure to subscribe to the channel as well it's growing it's starting to move up a little bit faster now at least that's what i see uh it still seems like it's sort of limited but uh it is growing with subscribers so thank you guys for doing that um, also, we're streaming to beforetonews.com, top of the page there, dlive.tv at the Sons of Liberty. We're also on a number of Facebook pages that bear my name, uh, as well as twitch.tv at uh, Real Tim Brown, and then Twitter for whatever that's worth at the Real Tim Brow. Leave off the end of my name, put a two there, the Real Tim Brow two, and uh, you'll see that we're streaming there as well. While you're at sonsoflibertymedia.com, sign up for our email newsletter. It's right up under. You know, depending on what your screen is, uh, the, the mobile side of things looks all different than this. But if you're on like a desktop, it is the email address you can put in right up under where we are streaming live. Okay, And uh, you get that once a day between 7 and 8 Eastern in the evening. And um, then if you want our ministry email, which goes out once a week on Saturday, go to sonsoflibertyradio.com right there at the top of the page. And finally, if you wish to support us in any way, you agree with our message, you'd like to help keep us out there doing what we're doing, click on the donate button, make a one-time donation, or partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And uh, guys, again, we, we really do appreciate uh, what you guys do for us in keeping us out there. I meant to open up uh, my other channel here and... Um, <clears throat> bring up a couple of things um, here well just a couple of things okay these these two videos here I think that's the only ones I wanted to bring up I forgot to bring those up by the way did you guys see where <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't know what's going on here but uh, I'm just going to show you the image those of you on Red State Talk Radio, Project Veritas got one of those, you know, those advertising trucks where they have like the LED, the, the sides and the back is like an LED screen. Um, and you play video on it uh, to advertise. Well, they went and parked right in front of uh, Pfizer with this guy, Jordan Tristan Walker, you know, the uh, sodomite that they busted saying that they were doing all kinds of stuff. Um, they went and parked it in front of their building. Went and parked it right in front of their right in front of their building, uh, there. Which I thought that's that's brilliant and all, but uh, you know, are, are we going to get something out of it? Um, it seems like some things are moving, and I get it. The wheels of justice sometimes move slowly, uh, but maybe some people are going to have some success. I my my guess is even if they have success in, you know, getting a guilty verdict against Pfizer, what it'll amount to is somebody pays a lot of money. But nobody's going to lose their life for, uh, you know, taking others' lives. And knowingly, knowingly doing it. I don't think money is, taking money from somebody is justice. Not in these situations. This is not, this is not a involuntary manslaughter where you didn't mean to hurt, kill somebody and, you know, you were just out there chopping wood and the axe head flew off and, and killed the guy. That It's nothing like that. This is premeditated. They knew it was going on. They put it out and they fraudulently called it safe and effective so they could get money and so that they could do the bidding that they want to do, which is which is depopulation. That's that's mass murder. That's what it is. Okay. All right. Here's the here's an here's two more. I'm going to play them. This is a Ron DeSantis. Now, I'm just telling you, 
This guy is not what you think he is, people. You're, you're con contemplating him like you contemplate Trump. Listen to what this guy has to say. You know, Clinton tried to work with him. Bush tried to work with him. Obama tried to reset. Trump was very uh, positive about Putin. Um, and I think that reality is set in, uh, that this is not going to, to work out that way. And you're better off dealing with Putin by being strong. I mean, you know, we've tried to deal with some of this in the Congress. A couple years ago, we authorized lethal aid for Ukraine so that they could resist. Some oh, okay. All right. We authorized lethal aid to Ukraine. Now, what he's talking about at the first is Ukraine. And then he brings Putin into this. Okay. Uh, Ron, where did you have authority to authorize money, weapons, any of that stuff in the Constitution for Ukraine? Where, where is that at? I just, I want to know. They're not part of NATO. NATO. They're trying to push them into NATO. And this is part of Putin's problem with it. I'm trying to see both sides here. I would see it as a, as a major threat to me if I were running Russia. And I'm not saying Putin's this great guy either. But I can understand where, where people come from in that. This is Ron DeSantis saying this. Then we got this one on the confiscation of guns. And um, <laughs> I just, I don't understand, quote unquote, law enforcement. The guys with badges and guns who just don't get the question and can just say, no, I'm not going to, I won't be doing that. Listen to, what, listen to what happens when they're asked by one of their representatives uh, and they can't give an answer. Would you go to your neighbor's home and confiscate his legally owned weapons, a man that was not under criminal investigation nor under arrest? Would you do it? The red flag laws would... That's a yes or no, brother. I got five minutes to make an hour and a half statement here. It's more than a yes or no answer. No, it's it not. Move on then. It would... if, you can't, if you cannot say yes, you would confiscate weapons from an American citizen that was subject to this law that my colleagues intend to push through this Congress, then you, and you said in your statement that you would confiscate those weapons if an American was determined to be, your quote, a threat to themselves or others. According to that law, determined to be is defined by an anonymous tip that an American citizen is a threat to themselves or others. You're a police commissioner, a thin blue line brother, sworn to uphold the Constitution, Dude, dude ain't a brother. He ain't a brother. Who, who this guy is talking to ain't a brother. Now let me tell you what's supposed to be protecting that is often not cited. In fact, conservatives sometimes uh, won't, even, won't even cite this. But this is the Fifth Amendment. This is the Fifth Amendment. This is, this is what Red Flood... This is one of many. In fact, when we had uh, Dr... Um, uh, Edwin Vieira on several times on the red flag issue up in Virginia, constitutional attorney. He said red flag laws violate about seven, at least seven, of the uh, Bill of Rights. The first, uh, first uh, seven amendments to the Bill of Rights. And among them is the Fifth Amendment, which specifically says in here, nor shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself, nor be deprived of life, liberty, or property. Weapons are your property without due process of law, nor shall private property 
be taken for public use without just compensation. Now, let me tell you what red flag laws do. They criminalize someone who's not a criminal. They take their property when they've not been indicted they, by grand jury. They haven't committed a crime. They haven't hurt anybody. They haven't hurt themselves. None of that. And they just want to come take their property. I'm sorry, that is lawless. And any cop or sheriff, or deputy, or judge, or anybody else who wants to take another person's property under red flag laws is a criminal and a traitor to the people they serve. They are. They're not thin blue line brothers. Nope, sorry, you're not that. You are a traitor to your people. You're a traitor to the law because you're disobeying the law. The law that's set up to keep the people free from these kind of infringements upon their persons and their liberty and their property. Okay? Just want to be clear about what the guy's pointing out. And when this guy goes, oh, well, there's more to it. No, it's just as simple as this. If this is not done, if a person's not committed a crime, if they're not indicted for that crime by a grand jury or any of this other, you don't get to take their property. Period. Money, guns, cars, land, you don't get to take it. Sorry, you just don't. You really don't. All right. A couple of headlines here, and then we're going to get to our topic today. Um, if you guys missed the show yesterday with Paul Shora, uh, I highly recommend checking that out, really. Um, Paul was such an encouragement. I mean, did you see the joy? Even when he's talking about you know somebody coming up and hitting him or any of this, do you see the joy that that guy has to go and tell people about Jesus. I mean, what what a great encouragement. What a great encouragement. So please check that out, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And uh, on Saturday, February 4th at 1245, in front of L.L. Bean at Mar, uh, Mall of America, uh, they're wanting people to gather. Now, you heard him say that, I guess, according to the event, of people had signed up, it was like 20,000 people. I, I doubt, uh, my doubt is, is that probably 20,000 people are going to be there. But... The more the merrier, right? 500, 1,000, 10,000, whatever the case may be. Go in there. And go in there with humility, too. Go in there to win those who are dead in their sins, who are blinded to the gospel. Go in there to win them. Take your tracks. Be ready to talk with people. Be ready to share the gospel with them. Um, and go and meet if you're in the area to do so. We're, I'm trying to get set it up to where maybe we can cover some of that. I don't know if... Uh, Bradley and his family are going to be there because it's going to be kind of a tight time for them as far as that and radio time. So I, I don't know what's going to happen there. Uh, but also at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, have you seen this? That uh, A congressman is warning that Chinese Communist Party-linked companies are purchasing U.S. military academies. Now, i got to tell you, I don't know why we would allow communist, the communist Chinese to own property here to build or buy businesses, because we've got articles on that as well. Building and buying American companies on our soil. Purchase farmland, which they're doing too. And even set up police stations. That, to me, sounds as dumb as a box of hammers. I mean, that's just what it sounds like to me. And yet, now, they're purchasing U.S. military academies. What could go wrong with that? 
What could go wrong with that? Just stop and think about it for a second. Also, just as the feds violate the Fourth Amendment at airports, now they're tracking the quote-unquote unvaccinated who go to the doctor or the hospital. My suggestion is if you have to go to the doctor or the hospital and they ask you about shots, the convids, any of that stuff, you say it's none of your business. Unless you've taken it, and then you might want to let them know that you've taken it so hopefully they you'd have somebody who has some, some wherewithal to treat you properly, maybe. Who knows? I don't know. I, I don't trust any of them. I really don't. And then the latest from uh, Corey Lynn. 30 more ways to die from a heart attack, according to experts in media. Oh, you'll love these, too. Uh, let me just uh, pop over here just a second. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Uh, daylight savings may increase chance of heart disease strokes, according to studies. I can, you can't make this up. This is like, I, I don't even know what to compare it to. Climate change, heat waves affect heart health, experts say. Solar storms may cause up to 5,500 heart-related deaths in a given year. And you get this stuff. Um, Little-known heart attack that's striking fit and healthy women as young as 22. Lonely older women are greater risk of heart attack. Entirely new kind of high, highly reactive chemical is found in Earth's atmosphere, and it could be triggering respiratory and heart disease and contributing to global warming. You can't make it up. You you can't. You just you can't make this up. You really can't. It is. It's absolutely incredible that we have been warning about the issues of the heart with vaccinations since before this shot was rolled out, and the time frame of seeing it all when we were talking about it back in 2020. Okay was anywhere from six months to three years. Now, we're moving into that three-year period here, and I think that's why we're seeing it on a daily basis. I mean, even this morning, I probably could pull it up again. There was like four or five deaths that were mentioned that were maybe within, I guess, at least being reported within the last 24 hours. Of And, and when I say that, that's of name, that's of, I guess, well-known people by certain groups, um, and that's, and that's happening on a daily basis. We know that. So why this thing of looking for stuff in the air is causing your heart, heart attack. And this is causing your heart. attack. Why, why, why no, why not? Nobody in the mockingbird media is saying, you know, those shots, we have the documentation that they cause myocarditis. We have the FDA admitting that now we have CDC admitting that now we have all of these all of these people now, years after the fact, they knew it at the first. They're in the documents that, that the FDA had to release on Pfizer. Why is nobody saying it? I'll tell you why. Because the Mockingbird Media gets 30 to 40% of their advertising revenue from these guys, like Pfizer. Just like Pfizer. Yep, same thing, same thing. All right, so what I wanted to do today is, and by the way, if you say otherwise, you're a conspiracy theorist, which is what we're going to talk a little bit about today. Um, just take you over here. This was uh, done by Corey Lynn uh, back in December. We'd carried it over at the Washington Standard, and uh, this was I, I brought this to your mind before, and some of you, I'll try to drop it in the, uh, in fact, I'll, I'll, do, I'll do that now. I'm going to drop it in the chat here. Um, so that you'll have it. 
But uh, CIA coined and weaponized the label conspiracy theory. Yeah. They're the ones who did it. Let me give you just a brief rundown of this, and then I want to go to Scripture to stay in the rest of this morning. Um, because I, I think we need to go back and we need to realize this is not anything new. It's not anything new at all. In 1976, the New York Times obtained a document they requested via Freedom of Information Act, which you can read in this article. This document was a CIA dispatch labeled Psych for Psychological Operations. Oh, some people say if you believe in psychological operations from the government, then you're a conspiracy theory, right? But this, this is what this is about. That was distributed in 1967, indicating they coined the phrase conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists to attack anyone who challenged the official narrative from the Warren Commission. And what was the Warren Commission? Well, the Warren Commission was the group of guys who got together to you know, tell us the official narrative of how the JFK assassination went down. Uh, yeah, they were the one who came up with the magic bullet that you know did all the stuff that was supposed to have done going through a couple of bodies and several bones and all this other stuff. It also has a conspiracy or CS indicated on it, which stands for Clandestine Services Unit. These labels have continued ever since. They coined the phrase in the 1960s with the intention of stifling any truths from getting out. Pay close. This is like calling somebody a racist. That's that's what it's to browbeat you. It is to shut you up. It is to make you look like a fool. That's what that's the whole point of it. They did this with people who were eyewitnesses to the uh, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Even though they gave testimony, they changed their testimony. They told them what they saw instead of the people just you know the people had given them their testimony so pay close attention to how using the labels and information they're referring to this will be your first clue that truth lies within and they are trying to deflect it the bottom line is there are hundreds if not thousands of conspiracies taking place all around us legitimate ones and while they are busy misdirecting with their conspiracy theorist labels evidence is being dug up they are being exposed and what they claim to be theory is truth amen that's exactly right there are some disputes over or out there as to whether the cia was the first to use the term because it has been printed in a handful of political books from the late 1800s the inception of the cia was in 1947 and this psych dispatch went out in 1967 it is from that point on that the term conspiracy theory and conspiracy theorists have been shoved down our throats. It was weaponized just as so many other labels have been used to distract, manipulate, and change the narrative to suit their agenda. And then here is the dispatch. And so uh, those of you on the video platforms, you can see this. Those of you on the radio, if you want to go, and uh, this will be in the archive later. I'll have it linked up. Um, and I'll try to grab this this image here if I can remember to do it and throw it in there. That way you don't have to, you know, constantly move around this that, and the other. But this this is this is what's going on here. Now they point back to the 1800s. We point back even into Scripture. We've done a show on this where I've referenced many conspiracies that we see in Scripture. And uh, you know I can just see the story of Noah. Because in the story of Noah, I can just see people, you know, the Bible says he's a preacher of righteousness. He preached for 120 years while he and his boys are building this thing that nobody's ever built before. Because as far as I know, there's been no rain. 
From the beginning, it said that dew came up out of the earth. There was waters above the, the heavens. Um, and there is dew that comes up out of the ground that watered the earth. So there was no need for the rain at the time. I mean, we're not told about any that I read from Genesis 1 to Genesis 6. And so that's what's going on. And yet Noah is a guy who goes out and he starts building an ark and he starts preaching about the judgment of God that's to come. One of the interesting things is, is that when I was um, uh, a new Christian, I was, I was taught certain things about Genesis chapter 6, uh, Jude, the book of Jude, a portion of that, and also 2 Peter 2. And then when I had to go and actually teach Genesis myself and stay in the context, as soon as I got to Genesis 6, I go, how in the world did they come to these conclusions? And those conclusions were that somehow angels were coming down and mating with the daughters of women. And I know there's a lot of good men, all right, Christian brothers who hold to that. I don't hold to that. And I don't hold to it because of the context. Context is the king, okay? It just is. And I'm going to hit some of that in just a little bit. But the fact of the matter is, is that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. And the Bible tells us what was going on, and it tells us it was going on among men, not angels. It was going on among men. And we're going to emphasize that as we look at the text, because that's what the text does. So just before we get into Genesis 6, I just kind of want you to see what the context is that comes up, because Genesis is genealogies. It's showing us the bloodline, if you will. It's showing us the... Um, the pedigree, the, the line of humankind from Adam, okay? And one of the things that happens here in Genesis chapter 5 is this. Remember, context, that means the stuff that comes before it and the stuff that comes after it. All right? This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man and the likeness of God made he him. Male and female, he created them, or created he them, and blessed them, and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. So then it starts down here, and it starts with Adam, and then it goes to Seth, and then Seth's children are mentioned, and it tells how long they lived, and all of these things took place. Right? And you start going down, and you read about a guy named Enoch. He was 65 years old, and he begat... Methuselah, and Enoch walked with God after he begot Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and five years. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. I don't know how that works. You know, I've had, heard some people say that, that Methuselah was walking with the Lord, and God just said, we're closer to my house than yours, let's just go to my house. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. The Bible just says he took him. Okay. But he had a son named Methuselah, and Methuselah lived eight, uh, 187 years, and we got Lamech, and Lamech, um, you know, he went on, but Methuselah was 969 years, and he died. And Methuselah's name is very interesting. When he dies, judgment, uh, or as some have translated it and said, when he is gone, it will come. In other words, the judgment that was promised by God through Noah. Okay, so so that's the the line of Seth here, uh, and then you have <clears throat> excuse me, then you have uh, where Cain is mentioned as well. 
Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you've got these lines of, of Cain and of Seth within Genesis chapter 5. Okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself here. So then when you come into Genesis chapter 6, what's the context? Well, the context is between those, and I'm not saying there weren't maybe some godly men within the line of Cain, too. There, there probably were, were some of those who were in there. But before we saw where the sons of Adam began to call upon the name of the Lord, and that was, I believe, at the end of Genesis chapter 4. But what it says is this, And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them wives of all which they chose. Now, I hear people saying, oh, they're angels. Basil, I, I get it. I, I get I get where people come from. But even Kyle and Dalich, great Hebrew scholars and great commentary, even when you go in there, they said there's nothing in the text that indicates that's what this is. And they, and they go through it. I think they do a pretty good job of showing, look, yes, sons of God is mentioned in the book of Job. No question about it. Sons of God is a reference there to angels. No question about it. But I want you to pay attention. One is, when Jesus is asked about marriage, what does he say? The angels don't marry. They're not given in marriage or any of this stuff. And we have nothing in all of Scripture that tells us they have the ability to procreate. Now, we do see their ability to eat. We see that when the angels come before they go to Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, they go and they eat with Abram. They eat the food that's prepared there. The Bible tells us that we may entertain angels unaware. I think it's Hebrews 13. And so, there's no doubt that they appear as men. Uh, we read from Daniel the other day. By the way, thank you, Georgia, for Daniel chapter 10, because that was what I was looking for. Uh, and it just slipped my mind there when we were talking about the prince or the spiritual powers behind the physical realm. So let's just look at the context. Yeah, I know there's more. I know there's more. I know the arguments. I was taught the arguments. <laughs> uh, one flaw I'm missing. Okay, well, let's just go in the context. Let's just stay in the context here. Okay. So the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took them as wives of all which they chose. Now, I want to ask you, up until this time, if you were reading this, who would you think is in play here? What would be the context? Were angels mentioned at all in here except for having a flaming sword to stand before the Garden of Eden? Were, were they mentioned at, in the context at all? And they're mentioned here basically in two verses here. Verse 2, verse 4. Okay, That's the only place they're mentioned. The rest of it before and after is all about Men. It's all about men. So, they took these uh, daughters of men that they were fair and took them as wives, all of them which they chose. And the Lord said, listen, my spirit shall not always strive with these wicked angels, these sons of God. Is that what it says? What does it say? It says, man. For that he is also flesh. Yet his days shall be 120 years. 
That's how long he's given him. That's how long he's given Noah to preach to them and to build the ark. This is what he says. He says, man. The word Adam, or Adam as we get it in the first. Now, he goes on and he says, there were giants in the earth in those days. Now, the people that I hear that hold to, somehow there's angels who are creating babies with humans. Say, see, right there, they, they produce giants. But wait a minute, what does the context say? And also, after that, after there were giants in the earth, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men which were of old men of renown. So the giants were already in existence. They didn't come from even this union here. But I'll tell you what I do believe is going on, and I think it's all throughout Scripture. I think it's very clear throughout Scripture. What is God saying that we're not to do? We're not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. That's what we're not to do. In fact, what you find in Scripture is oftentimes when the men of God, they go into a land, they bring back these foreign women because they found them beautiful. Same thing. They find them beautiful, and they marry them, and they take them in, and they're called out for it. Israel was told not to do it. The New Testament church is told not to do it. Why? Because it destroys or it hampers the work of God. Now, Paul is very clear. If you've got one parent who is a believer and one who's not, the children are holy. They're separated. They're separated unto God. Why? Because that one parent is going to be an influence of the grace of God. They're going to be the means that God uses in bringing grace there. So, again, going back to the context, what does it say? Sons of God came to the daughters of men, and they bare them children to them, and some became mighty men who were of old men of renown. And again, what is the word that's constantly used here? Men. Not demon men, not demigods, not any kind of anything other than men. Okay? That's what it says. And then in verse 5, if that's not enough, and God saw that the wickedness of man, the wickedness of man, the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made angels. Is that what it says? It says it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy the angels. Is that what it says? Nope. It says, I will destroy man, whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me. No, notice in that, no mention of angels, by the way. Th there's perfect time to slap that in there, too. Man, beast, creeping thing, fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. Okay? Um, no, that's not what's going on, Basil, but it's a nice try. I'm just staying with the context, brother. 
I'm just staying with the context. I understand how the teaching is. You don't have to sit here and blather it out. I, I, I understand the teaching. I was taught that until I have to go teach it myself. And when I have to teach it myself, I have to stay in the context. And the context indicates exactly, that's why I went through Genesis 5. It's clear there is a line of people who were honoring and worshiping the true God, and there was a people who were departing from that. And that's all through Scripture. Even when the, the children of Israel come out of Egypt, what are they doing? They have those that believe God, and they have those who murmur and complain against God. And, and uh, Moses says, you guys who are on the Lord's side, get over here. You guys, everybody else, you want to you go over here and you want to follow this guy? Then get over there. And the Bible says the earth opened up and it swallowed the other people. Okay? Again, I, I'm familiar with the... We, uh, but explain when in history we did genetics, Tim. Um, I'm not saying that we didn't do genetics. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is what the text says. Let's stick with what the text says, not what we want it to say. Let's not go outside the context to try to interpret the, the text. Let's stay in the context. And if you stay in the context, you can only really come to one conclusion. You really can. Okay? So the point is, is this. I'm not going to stay on that because that's not really where I'm focused. But the Bible says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. He found favor with God. Okay? Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And I know some people go, well, that perfection means that he was like a, a spotless lamb. And he was. And what are we called? Those of us who are in Christ, what have we been made? Have we been made perfect? Uh-huh. Through the righteousness of Christ, as we put on the Lord Jesus Christ, as we're being conformed more to his image day in, day in and day out, we are not only perfect in our standing before God, but we are being perfected in this life. We are shedding the old man. We are fighting and warring against the flesh. And we are putting to death the evil deeds that we were doing, right? Okay. So, he had that. So he was a just man. He was perfect in all his generations. And Noah walked with God. And there's the key. He didn't pray a sinner's prayer and get up and go do it. He didn't go to the anxious bench or the altar, as some people want to call it in a church. It's not an altar. We're not sacrificing anything on that. It's just, that's silly. That's not what's going on. But he was one who walked with God. This was his life. This was his conduct. This was his character, that he was a godly man, that he was a preacher of righteousness. And Noah begat three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and the earth was and the earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth, and make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. Again, as far as we know, it's never rained on the earth at this time. And as far as I know, nobody's built a ship like this <laughs> since this time. I'm sure they probably built some ships, little boats and stuff like that, that they went out in the water with, they fished, and this, that, and the other. I'm sure some of that stuff's going on. 
but nothing of this magnitude. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower second and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come in the ark, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives with thee. So he's making a covenant with, with Noah. He's promising you do this. I'm going to send judgment, but I'm going to save you guys, you and your family. You just be faithful to me. This is my covenant with you. I'm going to save you. And of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. They shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing on the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee. And it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. And we come over into Genesis chapter 7. So this is pretty self this is pretty self-explanatory of what he's doing, right? So what he says is, I'm going to send a flood, and it's going to destroy everything, all living creatures that have the breath of life, and it's going to destroy all flesh. That's what it that's what he's going to send it there. It is a judgment upon men for their sin for their rebelliousness against God. And yes, I understand the law wasn't given, uh, and yet, why do men die? Why do they die? They brought a curse on themselves through our father Adam, and they carry on that nature. I know some people argue, you're very Pelagian, you want to say, oh, everybody's born a blank sheet of paper, and we just get to... That's not what the Scripture says. In Adam all died, therefore in Christ all shall be made alive. All died. Why? We were all in Adam. Just like when the scripture talks about Abraham giving tithes to Melchizedek, and it goes back and it says, the Levites, Levi gave tithes to Methuselah because he was in the loins of Abraham. Do you understand? I don't don't want to confuse anybody. I just want to make sure you understand that somebody who came before us in our line who did this, we're in them. And sadly, anybody out there who disputes that, look at your own kids. I tell people, you don't want to teach kids how to do wrong. They just pick that up. You have to teach them how to do what's right. And why is that? Because they came from you. You sinner. <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't show us our own our own sinfulness, I don't, I don't know what will. God has a way of teaching us, even through our kids, how sinful we are. He really does. And how corrupt we are. So back to Genesis chapter 7, here's what he says. Uh, Verse 2, Of every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens. So he was going to take uh, certain animals, clean and unclean, that were different than the two by twos. Okay, Every clean beast thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of the beasts that are not clean by two, uh, the male and his female. Of fowls also, 
of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of all the earth for yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. So he's here. He is. He's establishing this. Uh, apparently, Noah had been preaching these these hundred and twenty years as he's building this ark, and he says now. In seven days, I'm going to send the flood. I'm going to send the rain. It's going to rain 40 days and 40 nights. And it was much worse than rain. The Bible tells that the fountains of the deep broke forth out of the, out of the ground. Some people say that when the, when the earth split, there's a crack, I forget the name of it, that runs down the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And they believe that's where, that's where it split. And that's why you can take the continents and you can kind of push them together. And it's almost like a puzzle that will go to there. You can see that on, on any map of how they look like they fit together. And that they were split. And what was once maybe, at least my understanding would be, once one giant landmass that we had now becomes several continents. And the force of the water coming out of the earth was just megatons, right? And then the Bible says the windows of heaven were opened and the water poured out from the sky too. So they were getting rain, they were getting water from below, they were getting water from above. This was not a localized flood, okay? This was a worldwide flood. I don't know why that's hard for some people to believe. In fact, what's interesting is it isn't just the Bible that claims this. There's lots of history, lots of different cultures recognize a flood happening at this time. They recognize that. It's part of their history. So... Here's the thing. He says, Noah did according to, unto all that the Lord commanded him. And Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters were upon the earth. And Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood. Now, you can just imagine, you can just imagine, Noah's preaching to them about the judgment God's going to send. He's going to send a flood. He's going to destroy everybody. This is why we're building the ark here. Here's your salvation right here. Okay? Here it is. And you can imagine the people mocking him. Oh, Noah. There you go again. Preaching about floods. We had not even seen any rain. You're building this thing that you call an ark. What's this for? You got it on dry land. You don't even have it out close to the water, man. And you can see them making fun of him. And his sons, as he warns them, the CIA at the time, whatever it was called, conspiracy theorists, don't listen to Noah. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's a crazy, wild-eyed man over there. Don't pay any attention. He claims to be hearing from somebody that, that we can't even see. Let me, let me give the, uh, the professed atheists. They're not. They're deceived themselves, and they deceive others. Uh, they know there's a God. They just don't want to honor him as that. Romans 1, 18 and following. He, he, he cries out to the sky genie, the invisible person, blah, blah, blah. And then the Bible says, Noah went in and his sons and his wife and his sons wives with him into the ark because of the waters of the flood of clean beasts and of the beasts that are not clean and of the fowls and everything that creepeth upon the earth. There went in two and two unto Noah into the ark, the male and the female, as God had commanded Noah. Isn't that interesting how God could direct those animals? I don't believe Noah's out there rounding up the animals. I believe God sent them into the ark himself. And it came to pass after seven days 
the waters of the flood were upon the earth. And the 600th year of Noah's life, and the second month, the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up. This is what I was talking about before. And the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And God destroyed everything. Everything. Let me ask you something. What do you think the people who were laughing and mocking at Noah, teaching their kids to do the same thing, not repenting, not submitting to the Lord, not coming on board and helping to build the ark, supporting Noah in any way. What do you think those people were doing two seconds after they heard this loud eruption where water was pouring out of the earth, water was falling from the sky, and the, the drops and the buckets of water were hitting them in the head. What do you think they were doing then? It's conspiracy theory no more, was it? It was fact. In fact, it was a conspiracy. It was a conspiracy between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to judge men. It was a real conspiracy to bring judgment upon man. That's what it was. And God carried out his. And he does the same thing. We've read it in Psalm 2. He does the same thing as far as Christ. We see a conspiracy between the kings of the earth and the rulers. And the New Testament tells us that's the Romans and the Jews at the time. They were conspiring together against the Lord to break his bands asunder. And what does he do? The Lord laughs at them in derision, and he says, I'm going to set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. And he's talking about the Christ. Why? Because the Christ and his father had a promise in eternity past, before, and I use that term, before things were created. They had a promise to do that. They conspired together for good to save many. That's what their, that's what their intent was. In fact, this picture of the ark that Noah builds is a picture of that very Christ. And it is something that you who are without Christ need to hear. And those of you who might be hypocrites, who claim Jesus while you're holding your sin in this hand and you're holding Jesus in the other and you're, you're using it, your sin as a license, as a, or you're using the grace of God as a license to continue your sin you presume upon the grace of god david said keep me from presumptuous sins keep your servant from presumptuous sins you are called to come into christ to find your rest in him to find your security in him to find your refuge in him to find the cleansing of sin from him to find the strength to overcome sin in him he is your ark of refuge that's what this picture is about. I'm going to get to that in just a, just a second. And what happens? God delivers him, doesn't he? He delivers him and his family. And even after he delivers him, you can see the sinfulness of men right out of the gate. What's Noah do? Now he's planted a vineyard. He's out there getting drunk and naked in his tent. And then his son comes in, does something to him. A lot of people speculate as to what that is. The fact of the matter is, dad gets up and he knows what his son did to him. That's what the scripture says. His other two sons had 
respect for their dad. They honored their dad. They walked in backwards, didn't look at their dad naked, and covered him up. So sin continued into the new world, if you will, the world after the flood. And yet, Noah had been called a conspiracy theorist, but he was proven right, wasn't he? What else does Scripture say about this? Let's go to Isaiah chapter 54. And uh, we got about two and a half minutes. I've got a little bit more that we're going to cover. So sonsoflibertymedia.com, if you guys on Red State Talk Radio, if you want to kind of pick that up so you don't lose anything in between or you're going to move over, you can do that. We'll go just a few minutes over. You know what the you know what happens when the preacher says that, right? I mean, I do try to keep it short, but the fact of the matter is, I know people are hungry for what the Word of God says. I know that they're you know, and the Bible says, "Blessed are you who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be filled. You shall be filled." God makes a promise to you. If He gives you that hunger, if He gives you that thirst, He's going to fill it. I believe that. Isaiah fifty four. Look at what He says. <clears throat> Meaning verse 7. For a small moment have I forsaken thee, but with great mercies will I gather thee. And a little wrath I hid my face from thee for a moment, but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on thee, saith the Lord thy Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For as I have, show, as I have shown that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth, so have I sworn that I would not be wroth with thee nor rebuke thee. For the mountains shall depart, and the hills shall be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones in fair colors, and lay thy foundations with sapphires, and I will make the windows of a gates, and thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones." So God says, even in the midst of bringing judgment, what's going to happen? I'm going to be with you. I'm going to keep my covenant with you. And let's go here. Genesis chapter 9. This is after the flood. And God gives a command. By the way, <clears throat> I was speaking of Noahide laws the other day. I put up a meme, and I, I, I didn't clarify it first, and I, I went back and clarified just so everybody was clear that I wasn't talking about every single Jewish sect out there, but those who teach the things that the guy was teaching about Noahide laws, because the things they pull out are not here in this text at all. They're just not here. Now, with that said, before we get to Genesis 9, i got to close out the show. So here's the thing. Be sure, and uh, if you're in the area there in uh, Minnesota. Make plans to be there. 1245 Central Time tomorrow. Mall of America. Meet in front of L.L. Bean with other believers. Be armed with the truth. Ready to speak the truth. Okay? Preach the gospel. Uh, and um, Bradley will be with you at 3. We'll see you in the morning at 8 a.m. bright and early. Lord willing. Kate Shimrani. Adios. Okay, I um, want to welcome everybody coming over from Red State Talk Radio. And uh, here's what we're going to do. Right into Genesis chapter 9. Okay? And God blessed Noah and his sons and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So he, he reiterates the great commission of the Old Testament, if you will, that was given to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful and multiply. You know, God's never rescinded that. He's never rescinded that. Let me, let me just interject something. Um, uh, my friend Georgia, she, she sent 
or she made a recommendation that I watch this this little documentary called The City of City of Joel. Um, and I forget how they put it. It sounds funny. It's like uh, it starts with a K. It was, it was like Curious Joel. That's how they that's how they called it up there. These are Hasidic Jews, and I got to tell you, I wish Christians had the mindset of those guys. In many in many cases, I wish they had the mindset that we are to disciple the nations by living that kind of an example, um, you know, in our communities and and bring them along that way. I think we'd be far better off for it. However, obviously, they leave out the Christ, and so they're doing their own righteousness. And Jesus warned about that. It's like filthy rags. Um, but there's there's some disturbing things in it. There's some some other things. But one of the things that they did was they grew in abundance. They became, I think it was over half the population of the town that they were in by simply having children. Simply having children. And they grew up. They had their own culture there. Everything they needed pretty much was inside that town. So there was some good to take away from it, but it's the problem of this doing it without the Christ and this self-righteousness that is, is put out there. And as, as the scripture says, when Moses is read to them, they got a veil over their face. They can't see the Christ. God has not seen fit to, pull that, to, to remove that veil from their eyes. Thank God he removed the veil from ours. Praise be unto him for what he has done in our Lord Jesus Christ. So Genesis chapter 9 gives them that command. And the fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every fowl of the air, upon all that moveth upon the earth and upon all the fishes of the sea. Into your hand are they delivered. Every moving thing that liveth shall be meat for you. Even as the green herb have I given you all things. So now God opens up the issue of meat for his people that they can eat meat. But flesh with the life thereof, and what's the life? Which is the blood thereof. So the life of the flesh is in the blood. Okay, Shall ye not eat? So you don't eat bloody meat. You don't eat you know, raw meat. You don't do that. Here's those things. And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of man... At the hand of every man's brother will I require the life of man. Who sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So notice what he says. If you're a man and you shed man's blood, a man's going to take your life. Why? Because you're destroying the image of God. Okay? He also requires it at the, at the beast. We read that. If the beast takes a man's life, well, then you put that beast to death. Same thing. And you be ye fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply therein. And God spake unto Noah and to his sons with him, saying, And I, behold, I establish my covenant with you. So this is the Noahic, this is what we refer to as the Noahic covenant. I'm going to establish it with you. And with your seed after you. And with every living creature that is with you, of the fowl, of the cattle, and of the uh, of every beast of the earth with you, from all that go out of the ark to every beast of the earth. And I will establish my covenant with you. Neither shall all flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood. Neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, 
This is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you. You know, when God makes covenants, there are tokens of that. There are signs or seals that go along with that. Circumcision was part of the Abrahamic covenant. Um, you have this going on now. Here's the Noahic covenant, uh, the sign that's given here. And the new covenant, what do we have? We have baptism. So all these things are going on. And what's, what's the sign that, he, that God gives that his covenant is sure and it's true, both to man and to beast across the earth? Here's what he does. I do set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be for a token of the covenant between me and the earth. And it shall come to pass, when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud, and I'll remember my covenant. It's not like God is forgetful, okay? That's not what he's trying to communicate here. Which is between me and you, uh, me and you, and every living creature of all flesh, and the waters shall no more become a flood to destroy all flesh. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look upon it that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, This is the token of the covenant which I have established between me and all flesh that is upon the earth. Now, let me just make a comment there. He's talking about a rainbow. Why do the most perverse in our society try to take this token of God's covenant of the rainbow as their banner? I know it's not the complete thing. I know they're leaving out of color. I get it. But you get the gist. Why are they doing that? I think it's the sign of a rebellious heart that says, see, God's not judging anybody anymore. We can go and eat, drink, be merry. We can do the most unnatural and disgusting, which is what abomination is, disgusting things. We can use and abuse each other to our heart's content, and God's not judging us. See this rainbow? See, now they're not going to tell you that, but I think that's exactly the, the mindset that's behind what goes on when they pull that out. They're they are mocking God, and you know what the Bible says? God is not going to be mocked, boys, girls. He's not going to do it. You're going to sow to the flesh. You're going to reap from the flesh. And I'll tell you what, the sodomite community, the lesbian community, and the gender-confused community that wants to do all that stuff, let me tell you something. All of that is part of God's judgment on you. It's not that he loves you. It's that he's judging you. Because he clearly doesn't love you, he's leaving you in your sin. And the Bible commands you to repent. Christ died for sinners of which you are, of which I was. And I'm not saying it looking down my nose at you. This guy right here was a pretty vile sinner too. And the Lord redeemed me. He saved me from my sin. Not just from his wrath to come, but he has saved me from my sin and he is saving me from my sin. But to sit there and justify it and to say he's okay with it, to have your churches where you bring in men who are an abomination to God dressing like women. I mean, God says it himself. I didn't write it. came long before I was on the earth. You want to act like you and God are like this? Nah, friend. You're as far as the east is from the west. And you need a savior from your sin.
You need a Savior who puts you in your right mind. Because right now, you've been turned over to a reprobate mind if you're engaged in those kinds of things. So Noah has this. Now, let's hit a couple of other passages because I think this is very important. There's no doubt that when Jesus went into the depths of the earth that he preached unto the spirits who were in prison. And the Bible says as much. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 2, Christ also hath what, you know, I, let me just put this in. I, 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 and I've got the recordings. I'd have to pull them up. But here's the thing. I've got the recordings. Some of these false teachers, a lot of them, like Kenneth Copeland. You know, I got somebody trying to stand up for Kenneth Copeland. I'm like, does anybody, but apparently people still follow the false teachers, the false prophets. And they'll talk about Jesus went to hell and he was, the demons were beating him and he was tortured and all this stuff. And you're just like, what? Where is that in Scripture? Well, it's not in Scripture. Here's what's in Scripture. Jesus wasn't getting beat up. He wasn't being tortured. He was alive in the Spirit, and he was proclaiming victory over his enemies. 1 Peter 3, verse 20. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins. For my Roman Catholic friends, Christ has suffered once for sins. Why do you continue to go to a Mass where they continue to re-offer the alleged sacrifice of Christ. It's not that, but why do you continue to, to put up with that? He's already offered himself once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but he was quickened by the Spirit, by which, the Spirit of God, also he went and preached into the spirits in prison. This is talking about while he was his physical body was dead, he was alive and he was doing this. Which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was a-preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Now, he's not saying baptism saves us in the sense of it makes us righteous, it cleanses us of sin. It's not talking about that at all. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, so it's not the external stuff that's going on, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Mm -hmm. So Jesus goes after his death, if you're wondering what was going on during those three days that he's, he's laying in the grave, his body's laying in the grave, he's alive preaching and proclaiming victory in the depths of the earth to the spirits who were there. And just how righteous was Daniel? I mean, not Daniel, Noah. <laughs> how righteous was Noah? Because, look, we, we see Noah's flaws, at least one of them. We see his sin there. It's on display. This is one thing great about the Bible is it will always show you the faults and the sins of even the godly men. I think the only people that I know of is Daniel and um, Joseph where we're not told there was some, we're not specifically told there was some kind of sin that was going on. But the fact of the matter is, we go over to Ezekiel chapter 14, and God again speaks of judgment. And in the midst of it, he mentions Noah. He said, or if I bring us, this is the beginning of verse 17, 
Ezekiel chapter 14. If I bring a sword upon the land and say, Sword, go through the land, so that I cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither sons nor daughters, but they only shall be delivered themselves. Or, if I send a pestilence into that land and pour out my fury upon it in blood to cut off from it man and beast, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. Now, that's a frightening thing. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. For thus saith the Lord God, How much more will I send my four sword judgments upon Jerusalem, the sword, the famine, the noisome beast, the pestilence, to cut off from it man and beast? Yet behold, therein shall be left a remnant that shall be brought forth, both sons and daughters. Behold, they shall come forth unto you, and ye shall see their way and their doings, and ye shall be comforted concerning the evil that I have brought upon Jerusalem, even concerning all that I have brought upon it. And they shall comfort you when ye see their ways and their doings, and ye shall know that I have not done without cause all that I have done in it, saith the Lord God. So even in the midst of his judgment, he points out, if you're righteous, you're, you're, the, you're the only one that's going to be delivered here. If you're not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to wipe you out. You become a sinful people. And I'm going to bring my judgment on you. And then finally, let me bring up... Um, Hebrews, uh, and here we kind of go back into Genesis again. So we get this line from Genesis that we have. Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 4, and here's what we read. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. We read that this morning. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, all you agnostics self, or self-professed agnostics, self-professed atheists, you're neither, you're just deceived. And you're deceiving others along the way. You know there's a God. You just don't want to honor him as God. And for whatever reason, I find that when I press people and I don't leave what Romans 1 says about their position there, I find eventually they'll tell me, I hate Christians. The church did this to me. God took my mom. He took my dad. He, he did this to me. Or, you know, they're blaming God for all the stuff that's caused by wicked men, including their own choices. And when they do that, I say, good, we can start. At least you're being honest with how you're viewing things, and you're not sitting here telling me that God doesn't exist. You recognize he does. You don't want to honor him as that for whatever reasons you've got in your head. We can start there. That's great. Let's be truthful. And then we have to correct them to help them see that they're the ones who bring that on themselves. And that other wicked men bring it upon themselves. So he says this. By faith, or excuse me, I'm sorry, I, I jumped the gun. But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he, that's God, is a rewarder of them, that's you and me, that diligently seek him. Let me ask you something. Are you diligently seeking the Lord? Or is he just kind of something, is he just a shirt you wear? Is he, 
um, you know, somebody that you kind of honor once a week? Are you diligently seeking the Lord? Here's a way you can examine yourself. How much time do you spend in the Word? How much time do you spend talking to your Heavenly Father? How, how much time do you spend obeying that Word, loving your neighbor as you love yourself? That'll tell you whether or not you're diligently seeking Him. But that, but that's that's something you have to answer. I can't tell you whether you do or not. By faith, being Noah, being warned of God of those of things not yet seen, or I'm messing that all up, Anna. By faith, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. And then he moves on to Abraham. But notice what he did there. He prepared an ark for the saving of his house. Men, first preparation in your house ought to be the ark, the Lord Jesus Christ. Holding that up as a salvation for your family. First and foremost. National ministries can just... International ministries can just... Statewide ministries, same thing. County ministries, even a ministry in your community means nothing if you're not doing it in your own house. You build that ark and you say, go into that ark. That ark is Christ. He's going to save you from the wrath to come. He's going to save you from your own sins that's bringing that wrath. That's what he does. And if you learn nothing else from Noah, learn this. The same people today, when we are warning people about shots, when we're warning them about tyranny, when we're warning them about infringements on our liberty, when we're warning them about the growing uh, uh, armed force out of the federal government, out of the state government, the militarization of the police, all of, when we warn you about that stuff, you call us conspiracy theorists. I just want you to take this example here. No doubt. Somebody was using a term that's very similar to this and mocking Noah during the production of the ark and his preaching. I'll guarantee you they were doing it. They've been doing it since the beginning of time. And they'll do it until the waters of judgment start falling on their head. And when that happens, the ark's closed up, the ship sets sail, and you'll perish. You'll perish. Oh, what a sad thing it is that men perish holding on to the most foolish things that are going to disappear from them anyway in this earth. What are you holding on to today? Is it your job? Boy, I heard a lot of that with the convids. Is your status... Well, I don't want the I don't want my colleagues to look at me funny. There's that crazy guy, he's talking about Jesus again. Is it money? Is it power? Is it control? Is it your house, your car? What what, what is holding your heart that you won't flee the wrath to come 
and flee into the ark of Christ. What is holding you back from that? These temporary things that you're going to leave behind for somebody else. Look to gain your, your world and yet lose your soul. That's foolishness, friend. That's foolishness. But I understand it. I do understand it. Because we get distracted with the world. And the world seems to go on like a video game. It just continues on. It continues. Next day you get up. And, but one day it's going to say game over. And it's going to be time to stand before the judge. And the Bible says that the judge is going to judge us of what we've done good and evil in the body. And only those who are clothed in the righteousness of Christ can say, I'm guilty, but I plead the blood of the Son of God. The one who took my place. He's already paid the death penalty. Look, God does not engage in double jeopardy. He doesn't. I played the song at the beginning of uh, the pre-show music. It said, praise the God who saves. Not who makes salvation possible. The one who saves the God I know actually saves people. He doesn't make it possible for them to be saved. He saves them. He saves them out of their sin. And if you are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, if you are desiring to be saved from your sin, then guess what, my friend? You don't get that yourself. That's the work of God in you. As evangelist told Christian in Pilgrim's Progress, he says, do you see that gate over there? And he goes, no. He says, well, do you see the light over that way? And he goes, yeah. And he says, follow the light. And I'm going to tell you the same thing. If you've got that desire, keep following that desire because God's put that in you. Don't turn to the right or the left. Don't turn back. Keep following it. God will deliver you from your sin. But on his terms, not yours. He delivered Noah. Noah could have said, well, God, you can just take my family and me and just pick me up like you did uh, uh, Enoch. You could just pick me up and take me and my family. I know that's what some people want to think about with the rapture. You can just get us out of here so we don't have to experience a tyranny like all our brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing, the persecution and death and torture and all this other. You could just pull us out of this. Some of them believe that so heartedly, wholeheartedly, and they just will seriously never confront anybody with the gospel. Now, I'm not saying all of them are like that because I know some who do. Thank God they do it in spite of that wrong theology. But the fact of the matter is, there are some who will do that. But God said, nope, build the ark, bring in the animals, you and your family, get in here. God shuts the door. That's the end of it. Noah came and did what God did, or God said, on his terms. We must do the same. And the command is this. Repent. Repent. Turn from your sin. Leave it behind. Cling to the Lord Jesus and follow after him. It's a simple thing, but it's a difficult thing for the sinful man to submit himself to. This is why he must be born again. And that is the work of God. May he be praised for all those, not only who have been born again, who are listening to this, but maybe he be praised should he seek or should he see fit to raise his people who hear this, who are yet not his people, that they might be his people, 
that he might be glorified in them. Guys, Bradley be with you at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And then, Lord willing, we're going to be back with you in the morning, bright and early, 8 a.m. with Kate Shimrani. Talk to you then. See you.